What's up, y'all, and welcome back once again. After a two-week break, we have another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about some breaking news in the NFL, having a recap of NBA All-Star Weekend, the Arnold Palmer, and UFC 259, and also looking ahead to this weekend's Players' Championship. Episode 36 coming at you right now. Hey y'all, welcome back once again. As we were coming on to air, I have just been notified that Drake is coming out with an album called Certified Lover Boy. Tell me, tell me more. I want to hear about this. <laughs> Dude, it's funny because I literally just told you a couple seconds ago. I don't know anything more than that, other than it was supposed to drop like a month ago and it got delayed. He just dropped that new EP that's like three songs. But... Scary hours. Oh, it's only three songs. Yeah. I had a patient tell me the last song was the best one that made me think that it was like. 10 or 12 songs okay it's three okay All it's right. three one of which is lemon pepper freestyle with rick ross lemon pepper as in lemon pepper lou does it have anything to do with lou williams yeah it has to do with lemon pepper wings obviously lemon pepper wet originated in atlanta okay fair enough and then doesn't the beeps have a new song too I think I heard that, but I, I I haven't heard it yet. I don't know. I feel like I'm really out on the music, but I'm not out on sports. So we had a big sports weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend, UFC, Arnold Palmer, all kinds of stuff. So so how you doing, man? How are you enjoying all the sports these days? I'm good. I, I had a really good All-Star Weekend, better than a lot of people who got stranded in Atlanta. Did you see all of that? Uh, Tell me more. So there was some social media action today about people who flew into Atlanta for All-Star Weekend, just booked a one-way flight and got stranded in Atlanta because they didn't have enough money to get home. It started with one girl (laughs) that was raising $1,300 to get back to New York because she said that she, like I said, booked a one-way to Atlanta, was expecting her unemployment check to come in, but it hadn't yet. So she was trying to get back to New York. Wow. Um, And then a, a bunch of other people emerged today kind of following that same model with the same story. I'm sure some were true, some weren't. And then the funniest of all, it came out on, uh, I don't know if it was ATL Scoop or, or one of the uh, one of the big Atlanta accounts earlier today. There was a girl who, I guess, didn't want to rent a hotel room, so she rented a U-Haul van. And so <laughs> <laughs> the, the back door of the U-Haul opens and you see her get out, like all dressed and ready to go to the All-Star game. But I guess that was kind of her hotel room for the weekend. So oh. All-Star weekend brings out some of the best people in the world, some good people watching this weekend. Yeah, here. That's, that's highly innovative. I mean, there's nothing but respect for that girl for doing that, but the weird thing is, I guess it was for like the parties and the club scene or something, right? Because there were only like 12 fans at the game. Yeah, there were like a thousand, maybe. Yeah, not enough to warrant that. No. Right? Yeah, pretty insane. I guess people still came in town for all the festivities. But anyway, you, you really threw me off at the beginning there because you said breaking news and I immediately thought you were going to go Dak Prescott and then you hit me with the certified Loverboy Drake you, album. You broke the news to me, so you should have expected it, but I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, so the real sports-related breaking news, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys gets a four-year $160 million deal, including a record $126 million guaranteed and a record $66 million signing bonus. Lando, first things first, you get a $66 million signing bonus. What's the first thing you're buying? The first thing I'm buying, 
I'm going to contribute to dad's retirement so that mom and dad can move to Atlanta. That's what I'm doing. Okay. That's a, a nice heartfelt answer. I was thinking a yacht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another option. I, I would love to get mom and dad here too, though, to yeah. come out on my yacht. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, that'd be sick. I, I just saw recently, who was it? Maybe it was Tiger, like before all this Tiger stuff happened, that he had a yacht that he rolled up to something in and had like a basketball court on it and something else. A yacht with a basketball court sounds pretty hype. Yeah. I mean, yacht life or no life. That's just kind of what I've always said. That's your life motto. Yeah, you get it. But yeah, what do you think about the deal from, I guess, Dak's perspective and the Cowboys? Yeah, it's funny you asked the question that way because I, I kind of had it, I was thinking about it that way anyways, is I love it for Dak as a guy. I love Dak, first of all. Dak's just a good dude. Like it's impossible, I think, not to love Dak Prescott. Not to mention, he's the guy that bet on himself. He turned down previous offers because he thought that he was better than those offers. He, he bet on himself to perform well, and he did. And then he kind of had this like horrible thing that turned well for him, turned became a good thing in a way for him with this devastating injury past, this past year because it clearly showed how valuable he is to that team, that they can't do anything that they want to do without him, that he's kind of the centerpiece that they have to build around. And so he gained all kinds of leverage and it worked out great for him. He's now the second highest paid player in the NFL annually, right behind Patrick Mahomes, just ahead of Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Jared Goff. So, I mean, awesome for Dak. On the other hand, as a Cowboys fan, I don't like it so much and not necessarily because of the Dak contract. Like, one, I do think that you only pay a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's a complete game changer, that much money. But the problem with it is that they already have so much money tied up in just a couple of other guys, namely Zeke and Amari Cooper. And so they're going to be just so handcuffed the next couple of years as far as trying to to find guys to fill holes and have any depth because so much money is tied up in just a couple of guys, especially in a guy like Zeke, who seems to be decreasing in production pretty significantly year by year. That's a tough contract at this point in time. So I think the Cowboys are going to be in a little bit of trouble, but they were kind of in a tough spot. I think they had to do what they did. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that you can let a quarterback like Dak Prescott walk. So I don't know what other choice they had. They pretty much just gave him the same Deshaun Watson deal, four years, 160, different guarantees and all that, but same overall deal. But to your point, I think they were already over-invested in the offensive line. They're over-invested in Zeke. So I've seen some speculation that they could let Tyron Smith walk cut him and it's always hurt yeah exactly and end up going in a different direction there and then honestly as soon as Zeke signed that six-year 90 million dollar deal and I saw the details of it I think he's getting cut after 2022 like I, I think that they have an option to pay him like 28 million over the next two years after that but they have an out after 22. I just don't see them picking that up. But anyway, they're, they're going to have to get creative with the cap. But in terms of this year, instead of paying him the 37.7 million under the franchise tag, his cap hit's only going to be 22 million. So it actually freed up 15 million in cap space this year. So I don't know. Seems like a good deal for both sides. I wish they would have done it two years ago, right when Goff and Went signed their deals because yes. they could have locked him up for 32 to 33 million. I just don't think they were quite sold on him then before he had his career year in 20. 19, but ultimately, I think that the defining moment of this negotiation was when they were forced to start Ben DiNucci against the Eagles. Yes. That was like the holy shit moment. We have to lock up <laughs> yeah. our guy. We yes. never again. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> you. Andy Dalton was one thing, but Ben DiNucci is like, we're not going back to the quarterback hell we were in between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. Yes, I'm completely with you there. You mentioned Jared Goff a second ago. He signed his contract for an annual value of $33.5 a few years back. I think you're right. I think that Dak would have taken that money a couple of years ago had they offered it to him and they could have saved themselves about $7 million a year. But 
hindsight's always twenty twenty. So they did what they had to do, got it done. Right. And then one last thing that I want to say about this. I saw the stat that in 14 years with the Cowboys, Tony Romo made $125 million and Dak just signed for $126 million guaranteed. Yep. Saw that. So it's crazy. It's just kind of demonstrative of how quickly the quarterback market changes. You can call this a bad deal today. I know a lot of people don't like Dak all that much. They don't think he's a top five, top seven quarterback. That's fine. But this is going to look cheap in two years. Mm-hmm. It might look cheap in a month after Lamar Jackson and maybe Josh Allen get paid. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, could work out well for him. Tony Romo, it's also worked out pretty well for him because he's now guaranteed $17 million a year to sit behind a microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> $17 million more than we're doing right now. Yes, that's yeah. that's pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, not, not a bad gig. No, not at all. Well, that's all we got for the NFL, but let's talk about NBA All-Star Weekend. We had an action-packed Sunday night. Lando, what was your, your big takeaway from All-Star Weekend? My big takeaway is that All-Star Weekend needs a complete reboot. Agree or disagree? Not completely agree. I I love some aspects of All-Star Weekend. I love that they've done the, they've started the whole draft now. So it's not conference versus conference, especially because last night we got to see LeBron and Steph play on the same team for the first time ever. And that that was was awesome. I'm all about that. You saw both of them having so much fun and they were shouting each other out on Twitter today. So I I really like some aspects of it. I also love the three-point contest. Yes. Um, But the one thing that needs to be revamped is the dunk contest. The dunk contest is absolute trash. It's not their fault. It's just everything's been done. You can't, there's just nothing to add unless you have guys out there like on trampolines or pogo sticks or something ridiculous. They have flubber. They need some kind of help to do more than they're currently doing because yeah, it's just tired at this point in time. It is. It's very hard to be original. I was texting my friends last night, like, why haven't we seen a front flip dunk? Is that physically possible? <laughs> I don't think so. No? <laughs> not not yet. What we, about like a, like a front handspring, like with the basketball in your hands while you go down? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would do, be sick too. I don't. They got to be able to do this stuff. I don't know, man. You were the one who proposed that MLB players would be allowed to take steroids so they could hit mammoth bombs. Maybe well, NBA players can take roids and you can have a better dunk contest. I am in on that. I am fully supportive of you know taking steroids responsibly. Okay, so one, I agree with you that the draft is great. The draft is awesome for picking teams. No longer conference versus conference. I think the, the players care a little bit more too because like they they. Or they don't get to pick their team other than the captains, but they kind of side with their guys against the other guys. It's fun seeing things like Jason Tatum against Jalen Brown, like teammates against teammates, which you never get to see otherwise. So that's cool. I love the draft aspect of it. I agree with you that the three-point contest is great. It's the That's the best thing apart from the game. However, the field needs to be better. Like, let's get some guys out there that are like, let's get the be- the best six or eight shooters in the league out there. I don't want to see guys who are like slashers, like Jason Tatum out there. I want the sharpshooters. Like, let's get Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Duncan Robinson, Buddy Heald, Joe Harris, Luke Kennard. Like, those are kind of some out there names, but those are the best shooters in the NBA. Let's get those guys out there. The skills contest needs to die forever. Wouldn't you get something better? I'd rather watch Charles Barkley race Dick Bavetta again than watch the skills contest ever again in my life. Yeah, so I didn't really have anything against the skills contest until last night. Seeing how Luca treated it, he wasn't trying at all. He was acting like he just ate like five weed gummies. Yes. Just didn't even take his sweats off, was moving at like a snail's pace. I was offended by that personally. It is it is offensive to watch. It is hard to watch. I why, hate it. Why are Nikola Vucevic and Demontis Sabonis two like six eleven guys the finalists in the in the skills challenge? That's yeah. just stupid. It needs to go. And speaking of which, do you have anything good that could replace it? I was just trying to like think of ideas that would be fun to watch to replace the the skills contest because it sucks so much. The obvious one is like have a game of knockout 
or something like that. That would actually be really fun. It'd be high. I love that idea. Yeah, take the 24 guys who are in the All-Star game, like the 24 best players in the NBA, have them play knockout. Whatever happened to um, the whole like game where you start, you, you make a layup, and then you make a free throw, and then a three-pointer, and yeah. then a half-court? Why not something like that? That's with, with guys like Steph and Dame, they were literally trading half-court shots during the All-Star game so they could make it unguarded. That's what I'm saying. That or like, do you remember when we were kids, anyone who played basketball will remember this game, like hot shot. So like a layup is worth one point, you know, a elbow yeah. jumper is worth three, a three is worth five, a half court shots worth 10, whatever. You have spots around the floor that are worth different amounts of points. Give them a minute on the clock. They can shoot it however they want to at most points in a minute. Just something like, I don't know, even like just have them play beer pong, something instead <laughs> of the skills contest. I yes. don't ever want that to happen again. Yeah, some of those guys would be incredible at beer pong, by the way. <laughs> That'd be sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think it needs to be completely revamped because, like I said, I like a cup, couple aspects of it, but I totally forgot about Hotshot. That's a genius idea. Yeah, Hotshot Gen- would be hype. And Knockout? Yeah, those would be dope. Yeah, those would be sick. Unfortunately, when I was kind of thinking of ideas, I was reminded, I thought about horse for a second, and then I was reminded of the worst thing to come out of quarantine was that horse competition that used to come on ESPN last year, like last spring. Oh, I forgot about that that gives <laughs> yeah. me anxiety yeah. i hate that when that was the, so awkward they were all in their own like driveways with the worst cameras and microphones ever and no one could tell what was happening and one guy looked like he was shooting from like three feet away and no one could tell. it was just it was horrible yeah so, like i do not need to watch trey young in his driveway in norman oklahoma hitting no. like 18 footers against super like, good on that against like chauncey billups <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is super yeah. cringy yeah Oh, yeah, gosh. I'm out on that. I would like a Chauncey Billups NBA Top Shot card, though. Oh, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Big Shot. Mr. Big Mr. Shot. Mr. Big Top Shot. Back from my test. Mr. Top Big Shot. <laughs> Either way. Either way is fine. We've lost it. Okay. What else you got from All-Star Weekend? The game itself. How about that? Yeah. So Giannis won the MVP with 35 points on 16 for 16 from the field. That's pretty impressive. Really hard to do more than that. I think the real MVP was the girl who rented the U-Haul as a hotel room yes. for me personally. But Giannis played pretty well. Heard that. Yeah. 16 for 16 is pretty good. Although... Three of them were not dunks, right? He hit three threes. So that's, I mean, that, that counts. That's legitimate. If they're all 16 layups or dunks, I would think nothing of it. He hit three threes, though, so that's pretty sick. Yeah, and I think at least one of them, maybe two, was like kind of a sick step back. So Let's go. channeling his inner James Harden for All-Star Week, and if he can add that to his real game, he's going to be even more dangerous. Yeah, how many threes does he hit per game in the regular season? Not three, I can I can tell you that much. So yeah, he needs to add that. It's That's kind of a tough thing as a Bucks fan to see him go three for three in, a, in an All-Star game when he never does that in a real game. Although the defense was probably slightly different. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's about all for the All-Star game itself. But a little bit of news out of the NBA. You saw Blake Griffin, after being bought out by the Pistons, has now signed with the Brooklyn Nets. What do you think about that? I did. We kind of predicted this on the podcast, whatever it was, two weeks ago. Maybe it was three weeks ago. We kind of knew this was going to happen. And I think I'm on record with, with my Blake Griffin opinion. Do you recall? I do. You said something along the lines of he's a certified bum. He is a certified bum. He sucks. So I think that he totally checked out being on the Detroit Pistons who are horrible the last couple of years. I, I do think he's got a little bit left in the tank. And if he's playing, you know, 20 minutes a game off the bench, I think he's going to step it up a little bit, try to get a ring that he's never won, you know, with this big three, KD, Kyrie, James Harden. I think he'll step up to play with those guys. I'm just going to repeat his stats just so everyone listening can remember. He is averaging, first of all, he's playing a lot. He's averaging 31 minutes a game. Okay. In 31 minutes, he's averaging 12 points, five rebounds on 36% shooting. That is horrible. Yeah, but that's like 36% effort. 
Okay. Those are his just kill me. I'm okay. on the piston. When you're, stats. when you're wide open with a 15 footer, you don't give 36% effort. You try to make it and he can't make it. He's not good anymore. He used to be good. I, I give him that. He used to, what's his best season back in 2013, 14 average 24 and nine and a half. Like he was, he used to be sick. He's, he's just not anymore. He's a guy who was so highly reliant on athleticism. He's no longer athletic and he doesn't have anything left. Yeah. I, I just, I think maybe with a little bit of motivation and a sick team around him and a team and a chance to win a championship, he might step it up a little bit. It remains to be seen, but they kind of came out and said that their intent for him is to be a small ball center off the bench. Okay. So you know, something late game. What if the lineup looks like Kyrie, uh, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin? That's not bad. And there's already a coin or a term coined for this. Have you heard it? No. The Neth lineup. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's not do this. Yeah. Mina Kimes threw that out on Twitter and she was like already apologizing. She's like, if you hate it now, you're going to hate it even more during the finals. Oh, but yeah, it's, I hate that. It's yeah. a, the new reincarnation of the old Warriors death lineup, but this version the Neth lineup oh, get used to it buddy yeah I, I'm not sure that I think I think Blake Griffin could possibly be like a short minute high efficiency guy for them he's I, I'm what I'm trying to say is he's not going to be the Blake Griffin of old I think people some people are thinking he's going to be like all-star Blake Griffin injected into this already all-star Nets lineup and that's not going to happen and that's what I'm trying to say I wouldn't be opposed to saying, yeah, he could make a small contribution off the bench for them in short minutes, in 15 to 20 minutes a game. He could be a, a, a positive addition. But yeah, he's not going to be like some great addition to their team that's going to just put them over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think he needs to use all his energy on defense and rebounding. And on the offensive end of the floor, Steve Nash needs to go ahead and put a rule in place like Blake you are there, you know, to benefit from these other guys who have to draw all the attention and don't do anything but dunk. Like if it's not an alley oop, do not shoot. Yeah, he is not known as a great defender. And by that, I mean he's known as a bad defender for his entire career. Like, he averages fewer blocks per game as a 6'10 guy who can fly than Dwayne Wade did for his career. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get why you're a hater. He's averaging 12 and 5. He's kind of fallen off a cliff athletically. I just think he might be able to pick it back up. So be on the lookout for it. Neth lineup coming to an arena near you. It is his birthday week from tomorrow. Happy birthday, Blake. <laughs> Happy birthday, Blake. Love that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, you want to talk some golf? Let's talk some golf. Yeah, so we're coming off the Arnold Palmer Classic this past weekend at the Bay at Bay Hill, and we had Bryson DeChambeau come away with the victory. Pete, did you watch it, and what did you see? I only watched a little bit, but what I saw was that he won and that he was absolutely bombing drives. Didn't he come like relatively close to driving a par five green? Uh, yeah, relatively close. So there's a it's the hole number six at Bay Hill. It's a 555 yard par five. That's basically like a C shape. So you're supposed to hit it essentially like straight to the right and then you can either lay up again or, or go for the green but it's like in a c-shape and he just said screw it i'm bombing it straight across this lake which is like a 360 or 370 yard carry or something ridiculous like yeah, that i think i saw like 335 but either way yeah, i mean that's yeah, you're nuts. right you're right it's closer to 335 or 340 carry but, but he if would you carry he, that then it's going like yeah exactly yeah. so i saw the stat that i saw was the most ridiculous was yesterday which is sunday on that hole, he hit his drive. He bombed it to the greenside bunker, essentially. He was 88 yards short of the green. And the second shortest shot, second shot of the day for any other golfer was 210 yards. So his was 88. The second shortest was 210 yards. That just shows you how far he was bombing it. Completely absurd. And not even, not only like the ability to hit the ball far, but also in a situation on a Sunday when you're leading a golf tournament and you can't hit it in the water, having the balls to go that direction and knowing you have to get all of it is pretty sick too. So love that from Bryson. Yeah, he really gives me a lot of mixed 
emotions because I just he, he doesn't seem like the most likable guy, but also not the most hateable. I, I like the way that he's trying to revolutionize the game a little bit, just hitting absolute shots off the tee. I'm surprised more people don't like him, honestly. Yeah, so this is I'm going to get heat for this probably because this is not going to be a popular thing. I like Bryson DeChambeau for the same reason I like Tom Brady, which is just undivided focus and attention on success and winning. Like those two guys just, that's all they want to do is win and they'll do anything that it takes to win. And like they showed video of him out on Saturday after his round staying for like three extra hours, hitting on the driving range and putting until it was dark and he couldn't see anymore. Just, I, I like guys who care like that. He has plenty of money. He's won. He's had success. He doesn't really need it. He can just kind of coast, make cuts, get paid, but he doesn't. He wants to win, so I respect that. Yeah, you compare him to Brady in terms of work ethic and doing anything it takes to win. I kind of compare him to Steph and the way that he's just kind of revolutionizing the game. Yes. Like, is he going to make... Like, the way that analytics changed in the NBA because of Steph, like, Steph started this whole three-point movement that we're seeing today. Like, it's all about 3 and D guys now, and it's crazy. I mean, I think that five, ten years from now all these golfers are just going to be so jacked because they know they have to be to compete. Yeah, they might. It's interesting. It was interesting to watch yesterday because I don't know how much you saw, but it was the course was playing really, really hard yesterday. So this is a field of obviously professional golfers and only three guys shot under par yesterday, which says a lot. And only three of the 18 holes played under par. So this the course was a battle. There was deep rough. There was some serious wind going on. And this this weekend, plus the U.S. Open last year, have just seemed to show that when the conditions are at their worst, when the rough is at its thickest, when the wind's blowing at its hardest, he has the advantage. Like That's when his advantage stands out the most because his strength just dominates everybody else. And so I'm com- completely with you. I feel like over time, guys are just going to migrate towards this strategy because it can stand the test of, of all these conditions. Yeah, I mean, and you've seen it before, like Tiger isn't as big as Bryson, but like he was the most jacked golf on tour, was the most dominant. Then mm-hmm. it was Brooks Kepka did the same thing the last couple of years, and now it's Bryson kind of trying to move into that role. So yeah, you're not just playing against golfers, you're playing against the course, and being able to bomb it like that is a huge advantage. So look out for Bryson this week at the players as well. Yeah, I think there one distinction has to be made is it's not going to be just a bunch of meatheads going out there who can hit the ball as far as possible. These guys who are doing this, like Bryson, are also really good at golf. Like He also has a really good short game. He hit a few bombs yesterday on the greens. He hit at least two really, really long putts. So he's also really good at golf, but in addition to that, he has migrated toward this just like absolutely destroy the ball at the tee thing, and it's worked out. It sure has. So yeah, this week, the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass, I think the favorite is Dustin Johnson. Slightly behind him is Bryson DeChambeau and a couple other guys. I know Brooks Kepka is going to be out with a knee injury, kind of resting up for the Masters in a few weeks. Lando, what do you think about the players? Who's going to take this one? Well, first of all, I'm really excited because the players got moved up. It used to be towards the end of the season, and now it's towards the beginning. It's the unofficial fifth major of the year. So really excited for this weekend, and Sawgrass is a fun course to watch. So I got two picks. One guy who's kind of towards the top of the odds, and one guy who's a little bit lower down as a sleeper. My guy at the top is Webb Simpson. He is plus 2,000, and he's been playing really well recently. He's got two top six finishes in his last three tournaments. He also has won this tournament before in 2018. So kind of a been there, done that kind of thing. I always like guys who've had success at this course in the past. So Webb Simpson is my guy as far as a kind of towards the top of the board pick. My sleeper, which you might give me crap for this because the odds are pretty low, but my guy Abraham Anser. I like him. He's plus 6,600, but he's just like a steady golfer. He's one of those guys that you can go out there, you expect him to make the cut. You expect him to be somewhere lurking around the leaders on Sunday. He is currently the number one most accurate driver on tour at a course that's going to reward you for hitting fairways and punish you if you don't. So I like Abraham Hanser. Take a flyer on him. It's plus 6,600. 
Well, I like those long odds at plus 6,600. Can't go wrong there. I mean, you kind of cheated, though. I thought we were each doing one pick, and you took two. My bad. So it's okay. <laughs> I'm taking another guy at plus 2,000. I got Xander Shoffley. Nice. He was a co-runner up here at in 2018, missed the cut in 2019. I think he's you know ready to redeem that missed cut. He has two top two finishes in five events so far this year, playing good golf, trying to warm up for the Masters and get that first major victory. So I'm going with Shoffley at the players at TPC Sawgrass. I don't know if you if you thought about this when you made that pick. Since we started this podcast, every golf pick that we've had, I have picked Xander Shoffley until right now, and I didn't pick him and you took him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that we are big Shoffley guys. We are. So it's kind of one of those things where if we keep picking him, at some point he's got to win it. And like, then we're going to look like geniuses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Exactly. He's definitely going to be one of my picks for the Masters pool that we've got in only like a month. That's going to be sick. We just did it. I feel like and we get to do it again already. Yeah. It's coming up quick. Let's go. All right. Love some spring uh, golf and baseball time. That's what I'm talking about. And then I want to move on to our last topic of the day. This was a big weekend because you and I actually watched UFC 259 together. And I just want to hear your overall thoughts and your your breakdown, your analysis. What do you think of UFC 259? Yeah. As everybody knows, I am not quite the uh, UFC expert that you are, but I thought it Yet. was... Yeah, it was a pretty good card. I think that most people were a little underwhelmed by it, honestly. The the main event was Jan Blahovich against Israel Adesanya. Blahovich was defending his 205-pound title, and Israel Adesanya was trying to become the 185-pound and 205-pound champion. Is that right? That is correct. And has that been done before? It has. There's been a few multi-division champions at one time. So Henry Cejudo had 125 and 135 at the same time. <laughs> it's so funny that there's a 125 men's division. Yeah. yeah. McGregor had 145 and 55 at the same time. Amanda Nunez is currently both the 135 and 45 women's champion. And then DC was 205 and heavyweight for men's at the same time. So That's Cormier. Yeah. Gotcha. Legend. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was a decent fight. There was a little bit of confusion over who won round two. I mean, some people thought that Adesanya was up 3-0 after the first three rounds. And then that's when Blahovich kind of started putting his weight on him a little bit and imposing his will and his size. And he ended up taking it. But I don't know. I, I think most people were a little bit underwhelmed by it. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. One, because the main event, no one was ever in danger of finishing the other. It was it was just kind of a eh, fight all the way, like you said. The Amanda Nunes fight, which was the co-main event, went exactly as expected, which was utter destruction in like one minute. So that was, I mean, that was exciting, but it was kind of what we expected. And then the Yawn and Sterling fight for the men's 135 belt was disappointing just because of the way it ended with Yawn throwing a horribly illegal knee and destroying Sterling's brain and ending the fight by disqualification. So yeah, overall it was a little bit disappointing. Pretty amazing though. Jan Blahovich, I don't know if you know this, when he got into the UFC, his first six fights, he was two and four on the verge of getting cut possibly, and then just kind of turned it around. It's been on this awesome run. Steroids, super, let him do it. Super likable guy. So really happy for Blahovich. Tough for Adesanya, but he's got a lot in front of him. Still the 185 champion. He has complete control of that division and a lot of really exciting fights in the near future, even though the super fight between Adesanya and John Jones is pretty much off the table now, but he's got a lot of really interesting fights intriguing fights ahead of him at 185 so the future is bright yeah it sucks that i know a lot of people would have loved to see bones against adesanya and that it kind of doesn't make sense to do at this point but anyway going back to the yawn and sterling fight with the illegal knee and the dq did you see them going back and forth on twitter today yes it was pretty funny yes there's there's all kinds of funny you tell me what you saw but yes I saw uh, the the SpongeBob meme <laughs> from Sterling, <laughs> just saying, just like I'm gonna hit him with a fake knee or a, a, a disqualifying knee, and then do a fake apology on Twitter, and then Jan fired back a, a picture.
picture of Sterling celebrating with people after the match. Like, um, well, we, he was making fun of him for acting like he was concussed and didn't want to celebrate winning the title this way, but he was literally like had the title belt over his shoulder, raising a drink with a bunch of his friends, like laughing and smiling. So, I don't know. I don't blame Sterling for celebrating, but it it isn't necessarily consistent with the way he acted after the fight. Yeah, the problem was it was the ref's fault. I want I don't want to get on too much of a tangent on this. The problem is it was the ref's fault for not calling it right away. You can't put that call ever on the fighter, right? You can't tell the guy that he has to decide after he just got a fat knee to the dome. You can't be like, hey, do you want to keep on fighting? You got to call it right then and there. So I, I kind of get what, what was going on with, with Sterling. The good news is that we're going to get a rematch in the very near future, probably sometime early this summer. I would think around June or so, they're going to get to go back at it. So at least we get to see that one one more time. Yeah, for sure. And going back to that knee, it was just so bizarre. Like you said, the way the ref handled it. Like, can you imagine? Remember when Patrick Mahomes in the, was it the AFC Championship mm-hmm. got that concussion? Like if everyone just kind of stood around him and stared at him for two minutes while the ref asked him like, hey, are you going to get up or not? Yeah. Like, what the heck, just, dude? You, you don't do that. Yeah, you don't treat blows to the head and potential concussions like that in any other sport. He definitely needed to end that immediately yeah. and even as someone who's not an expert at all on UFC I was like dude what are you doing yeah you don't have to be a fighting expert you just have to not be a moron you say this is over <laughs> we're done here yeah that was kind of a movie but they're already setting up for a good rematch since it was a pretty decent fight and they've got some Twitter beef going now so they're really juicing that one up yeah for sure and then we got a couple of more good fights coming up in the very near future we've got this weekend the main event is Leon Edwards against what was supposed to be Kamzat Chemaev who has since retired because COVID destroyed his life but Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad, which is a pretty good fight. And then in a couple weeks, we have two more title fights. We got uh, Francis Ngannou against Stipe, number two. And we got Volkanovski defending the 145 belt. So we got a couple of really good UFC cards in the near future. So tune in. Yeah, good UFC cards coming up. We've got the Players' Championship this upcoming weekend. We're three weeks away from baseball. We've got the NFL Draft in mid-April. A month from the Masters, did you say that? A month from the Masters. Tomorrow's the NFL Trade ta- or uh, Tag deadline, Let's and go. then it's full-blown free agency. So a lot going on. We're, we're bridging the gap in kind of that dead sports period, but it's about to get real good. We are ramping back up. I love it. Are we done for the day? Is that it? That's all I got. All right, thank you all for tuning in once again. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Hope you all have a great day and a great week. See you all soon.